0: So if you've got your Bibles open uh, to Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Paul's final argument to this church in Galatia. So the, to understand a little bit how this really applies to us today... Remember when I started, uh, what's it been, 13 weeks now, I think it is? Yeah, 13 weeks ago in this series, we talked about these churches in Galatia, um, where these people, they came from, they're, the origin of these people. They, they are um, invaders from, uh, from Europe. Uh, they're, they're European descendants. They've, they, they've invaded down into what's today, modern-day Turkey. It's Asia Minor, back in, back in this time. But they settle right in the middle of, of, of this land. Um, and, and some scholars say that this is, the, the book of Galatians is a really a good book for Americans because it's, we have similar roots. And I think today as we look at the, the, the problem which they're facing, we can say, yes, this, there, there are a lot of similarities if we're willing to identify them. So in in the book here, uh, or in this letter here that Paul is writing, he's coming at the end of his letter. So we've had uh, five chapters, five and a half chapters. Uh, So far, we started into six last week, and now we're finishing this out. But Paul makes a statement here that is a statement of emphasis. He says, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Now, when when he's saying this, this doesn't mean that that he's writing long letters. Think of this as like today, you know when when you get mad at your spouse and you really want them to uh, hear what you're saying, you put caps lock on your text message and you text everything in caps lock so they know that you're yelling at them, right? Like that's what you need to do. No one in here has ever experienced that, right? My wife's not here, so she can't tell on me. No, but this is what Paul is saying here. He is giving emphasis. He is saying, look at with large letters. Some scholars think that he's writing in all caps right now. Because what he is doing is he's giving his final uh, emphasis, his final thrust on the situation that's taken place here in the churches of uh, Galatia. And the, the, the situation that has taken place here in these churches is that these group of people have come into the church and they're causing trouble, they're causing stir. They're causing people to uh, um, not only question their salvation, but they're, they're causing people to fall away from focusing on who Christ is. They come into the, the, the church, and, and like uh, Kurt said in the call to worship. Um, these, these, this group, these Judaizers, have come into the church and they have said, "You must be circumcised." And I'm glad that that, that Kurt uh, distinguished between the text in Galatians or uh, text in, in in Colossians and the text in Galatians, uh, because they're saying you must be physically circumcised, and you have to believe in Jesus to be a Christian. And again, by this time, 13 weeks in, if you don't know what circumcision is, you're on your own here. It's a physical mark on the body that was symbolic of the people of God before or in the Old Testament, even into the New Testament as well, before Christ came. But there is this circumcision there saying that you must be circumcised if you really love God. If you really want to be a believer in Jesus Christ. It's not only believing in him, it's also being circumcised. And the problem was, the reason this was such a big problem is the, uh, the, these churches that were in Galatia, remember, they're descendants from Europe, so they're not ethnically Jewish. So circumcision would not be something that they would do or have done um, in, in, their, in their culture. So these Jewish people are coming in here saying, well, "If you really want to be a, a Jew, if you really want to be loving Jesus, remember Jesus is a Jew. So you know you need to be circumcised." And, and, and Paul's like, Paul, Paul's coming in here and saying, you, "You guys have got this all wrong. You, you're causing a lot of headache and a lot of heartache, which doesn't need to be caused here." And, and here in, in verse, uh, or in chapter six, these, this verse eleven through eighteen, Paul's given his final Ooh, all right. Let me put. What would we call it? The nail in the coffin. The. The. I'm gonna, I want it, to. It, it's. I think about it as when you discipline your kids, and it's them slamming the door, or it's them walking out of the room yelling, "I don't like you, anyways." Right? They got. They have to get the last word in. Again, no one's ever. No one in here. No. Okay. Fine. Pray for the pastors' kids. Um, <laughs> And so pray for yourself, because you're all a bunch of liars, too. Uh, but this is what, Paul's not storming out of the room, but what he's doing, he wants to make this emphasis saying, this situation, this, 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 this uh, circumstance and the events that are taking place, they're very serious. And what we need to do is we need, we need to, to, to nip this in the bud. We need to, to turn things around here. So he says, See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. uh, emphasis. Verse 12. Excuse me. It is those who make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. As we're going to see here, this this sentence really describes the motivation behind uh, these uh, uh, false teachers that have come into the church. And these false teachers that have come into the church are communicating something that I want us to understand as a counterfeit life. This is the counterfeit life in which is being communicated. Now, as, as we go through here today, I, remember I said that I, I, there's like one thing that I want you to uh, walk out of here with, and, and the one thing that I want you to walk out of here with is what a real life is. Because what we have is, um, we have a tendency to just believe everything that that we hear, uh, and if it's on Facebook, it's true, right? Or Google, whatever. Well, understanding just because there are these false teachers that have come in here, and just because they seem very religious, what they are teaching is not the truth, it's a counterfeit. And everybody here knows what counterfeit is, right? That in which is not the real thing. It is a fake. They are communicating this counterfeit life. And this counterfeit life in which they are communicating is identified here. But what I'm telling you that I want us to understand is... To Everybody has heard the, the vision in which we have for this church. We, we sat down and we're uh, r- r- like figuring out, okay, what direction are we really taking with LifePoint Church? What, what, what direction um, is, is this church going? Our mission is to make disciples. Make disciples and make disciples. We're going to glorify God by making disciples. But our vision to get to that, where we envision the church, when you close your eyes, this is the way in which I look at it, it's like when you close your eyes, what do you see the church being? And that is a church where real people can find and experience real life. Right? You guys have heard that? You've heard me say that before? Good. I want us to continue to to get that through our head. Because until you not only know this, like, yeah, I'm aware of it. But until this, like, sinks into part of of who you are, like, okay, yeah, we, we understand that this is what our church is about. We understand that we want real people to, to, to find and experience real life. I, I think that until that happens, we're not going to see the, the fruit of that. We're not going to see the, the, the real life really take effect. Now, if I were to ask uh, any, anybody, I would imagine, uh, if I were to say, you know, what, what, is, what, what, what are real people? We would give a, a good list, you know, real people. People are just going to be real about their feelings, real about their emotions, real about their situations, real about their sin real about everything that's going on in, in, in their life. So I don't think that we need to describe what a real person is, a real people are, but it's that real life. Because if I ask, I've asked a bunch of people, a handful of people saying, um, I said, okay, what is this real life in which we're talking about? Everybody had a good answer, but no one had the same answer. And I think if we're going to understand what it is that we're focusing towards, that we want real people, we want us to to, to experience, but also others to find this real life, we have to understand what it is we're seeking after. Would you agree? I, I believe fully that this is where the focus of Paul's message is here, is explaining what that real life is. Some of you are like, okay, shut up, give me the definition. Well, I'm not going to give it to you yet because then you would just shut your notes and you'd say, oh, oh, I got to go. Right? Oh, are we alive? Yeah? Okay. But we're going to figure out today and understand what real life is and that there is a counterfeit life out, out there. And this is what Paul is saying here. Paul says here about these, these Judaizers, these, these uh, teachers, these false teachers that have come into uh, the, the church. He says here in verse 12 that they don't, they, or, or they don't, or they, they want, they want to look good, and they don't want to be persecuted. So essentially, I, I hear this, and I, I don't know if you hear this with Paul saying this. Paul says they don't really care anything about you, they just care about themselves. Anybody else hear that? Yeah. Paul's identifying that these, the, the, these false teachers that have come into the, the, the church here, they don't give a rip really about the, the people there. They want to look good. They want to have a good self-image. And they, have, they don't want to be persecuted. They want comfortable living. That is the, the, the counterfeit life in which the devil wants to communicate to all of us wants us all to, to, to kind of get on, on uh, this, this mindset of, well, wait a second, I'm an American. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Like, I'm entitled to uh, a, a good self-image. It's, there's nothing wrong with me having a good self-image. There's nothing wrong with me to have a comfortable life. I'm going to argue today that, yes, you're right. The, the, there's nothing wrong with having a good self-image, but if your self-image is what you're pursuing, or if a comfortable life is what you're pursuing, you're not pursuing the cross of Christ. Because that's what Paul's talking about here. He says that the, the, these guys that are, that are coming in here, that are communicating this, this heresy, he, he goes on to say, for even those who are circumcised do not, do not themselves keep the law but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. They don't care about you. They don't give a rip. As long as they look good, everything else is going to be fine. I, 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 when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking back to, yeah, this, is, this is a lot of what happens in, in our society today. People go to great lengths to, to look good Now, again, I am not saying that. Well, we just let ourselves go and it's all right. No, no, no. I am not saying that at all. Neither is that's not what Paul is saying here. But people go to great lengths and they they put all of their worth into how they look to other people. This is what these these Judaizers are doing. These are what these false teachers are doing. They're they, they saying, oh, I want to look good in front of all the rest of the people, not the rest of the people inside the church. They're, they're talking about the rest of the people in the world. their are other Jewish friends. I want to look good. I went into that place there, and I told them that if they really wanted to follow this Jesus guy who is a Jew. They need to be circumcised. But look, look at me. Look what I've done. Yeah, it's all about me. No one in here deals with this today, Right? We do. We have this idea that, like, I want people to look at me in a certain way. Now, I'm not going to, and I promised myself I wasn't going to rant about this, but I think that this is important, though, that if we're sitting here as parents, we have to understand, can we, can, do we have an influence in this? I 100% believe that we do we have a huge influence in because if we raise our children as if they are the center of the world as if they have to have this and they have to do that and they've got to be this and have this accomplishment all we're doing is we're going to reproduce the same things that we are are struggling with and if we're if we're always like oh you know oh Johnny you fell down and we, you you shouldn't have to deal with this situation or you shouldn't have to deal with that situation everything should be comfortable for you again we are, are propping our children up for a travesty that's going to take place in their life. If we act like we live in this utopia where everything—well, you're a Christian, you know. I—why am I a Christian, mommy? Because I said so. Well, okay, so my life's going to be good, then, right? No, Paul is saying if we—if our pursuit is after how people view me and how people, what would they think about me and how many likes I get on Facebook or uh, uh, what's a Snapchat thingy. Do they have like things on that? I don't, I don't know either. What? Snapchat. It's something, it's something, like the social thing where they can, they have walls and pictures. They talk to people. They actually, instead of talking to people like face to face, they talk to them through their devices. And they're friends though. They're really good friends, like lifelong friends. And they've got thousands of them. I'm sorry. Not, not random or anything. But he, he understand, if we are going to put um, our, our children into the, that, that, we're setting them up for failure. Now I don't say that, and I don't tell the, the parents that are of, of our generation, or my generation, our parents, I'm not looking at my dad and saying, "Dad, it's all your fault." No. I, I don't think that that, that is, is the case either. I think that what we have to do is we have to live, and I love how David Platt says it, we have to live counter-culturally. If the, the culture uh, uh, of, uh, that we live in is saying it's all about self-image, it's all about comfortable living, what we have to do is we have to take that, and then we got to filter that through God's Word and say, well, what, what, does, what does the Bible say about that? Well, the Bible alone... Says many things about that. Jesus Himself says, "If you follow after me, they will persecute you. You are not going to have an easy road to to to, uh, to, to fall, or an easy road uh, to live to walk." Now, when I say this, and what's running in my mind, the devil's working awesome right now. He's running in my mind. He's like, "You know, this is not good church growth strategy, right?" I know it's not because this in which we are engaging in in the Christian walk is meant to be one of the most difficult things you engage with and in in your life. Why? Because it is the preeminent thing. It is the best thing that could ever happen to you. Because what we are doing is we're understanding that it's not my works... It's the work has already been done for me. And if I am grateful for that work that has already been done for me, my life is going to be different. I'm not going to have to add a whole bunch of stuff to it. I'm not going to have to. And, and, and those of you that are sitting here right now and are hearing my words and you're saying, yep, that's me. And, and you're starting to, start to put this wall up. And, and you're starting to like... Uh, I don't want to listen to him. I'm getting angry at him. I'm just, I want to just, just go into myself. Just, instead of building that wall up, take a moment and just ask yourself, is it really I'm mad at Lee or is this really because this is real about me and this is what the Bible is revealing about me? You've heard me say it a bunch of times that if, if you read the Bible and it doesn't anger you at points in certain situations or it doesn't make you feel a little bit uneasy... If you don't ever, if you don't ever get to that passage in the Bible that, that, that you just, I don't like that. If you don't get there, you're not reading. You, you, you're not, because the, the Bible is not to only be read, not like we are to read it. It's also reading us. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So understanding that, that, that when Paul is talking here, he's, he's talking about. These people who are coming in, they're spreading a lie. They're spreading a, uh, the lie of if you can just achieve this status, if your self image just gets to this level, man, everybody's gonna love you and you're gonna find joy and peace and satisfaction and pleasure and everything. We know for a fact. I mean, just turn on the news and look at the, the latest celebrity that's gone berserk, that has everything and they have the status. And they go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, right? My wife said the other day that uh, I think it was Britney Spears or Hannah Montana, one of the two, went, went uh, off the rails again. I don't know. Nuttier than Snickers bar is what I say. So, uh, I mean, if we, just, if we could just attain this, if my self-image was just like this, everything would be good. Or if I could just get to this point in my life and where things could just be easy and comfortable, then I'd find peace. Well, we know that that's, 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 a, that's the counterfeit life. Because all, peace only comes from God. I, I, I think that, uh, I think I have this written in my, my Bible here somewhere. I, I love to think it, it, that um, people, they, they search for peace in, yeah, in many different places. I think of uh, 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 butt wheat. can can put nub in all the wrong places. right? Anybody? Come on now. Whatever. But I, I think that what happens is people, uh, they, they search for, for peace in all the wrong places. And I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says this, God can't give us peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. There is no such thing as peace and happiness apart from God. But what do we try to do? We try to stick things in there, right? We try to get, if I just get this, if I look this way and if I could just attain this, well, then I'll have this, this peace and this, this, this satisfaction. If I can just make this amount of money, then you know, everything is going to be good. What happens when you make that amount of money? If I just make this amount of money, this amount of money, and if I just make, this, I mean, it, it, you're never satisfied. We have been programmed in our in our country, and again, I am not saying I, I dislike our. I, I'm proud to be an American, and don't I won't sing League one, right? But I am proud to be American. But I think that what our culture <laughs> has has impressed and imposed on us is this this entitlement, where. You know what? You deserve to look good, and you deserve a, a, a comfortable life. No, we don't deserve anything. Actually, what we do deserve is the wrath of God. We do deserve that. But God, in His great mercy, and I love it, that while we were, it, God shows His love in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when we think about that, we put into perspective here, okay, what, what is this that Paul is saying? What is it he, he's pressing into? I think that Paul has a love for these churches so much. And I, I think that Paul's love for these churches is, is akin to, I'm not gonna, now, now hear me on this, I'm not going to say it's his equal to, but it's akin to Jesus' love for the local churches that he writes to in the book of Revelation. Paul's saying here, I love you so much. That you need to be aware of what's, what's taking place. You're, you, you're being fed a lie. He, he's unpacked it here for the, the last few chapters, and now he's saying, here, final emphasis here. These people who are among you that are causing you to, to, to doubt and causing you to add things to, to um, Christ. These people are, are they're fakes. What, 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 are they, what are they called? Posers, right? Yeah, Babu's ready. They're posers. They're not real. There's no real life in what it is that they're communicating. Paul goes on to say in verse 14, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world... For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Paul's telling these, these people here, he's, he's, he's telling them, alright, they're talking about the, the circumcision. Like, if you don't have circumcision, then you're really not a believer. Paul says, it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or if you're not circumcised. Physically, we're talking. It doesn't matter if you are. What matters is, are you a new creation? I love how one Bible translation says it like this. He says this, It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. Don't focus on all of the stuff in which you've done. Don't focus on what people think about you, your self-image. Don't focus on the comfortable, how comfortable is my life. No, where we must start is with the cross of Christ and saying, Am I a new creation? Am I a new creature? When we look at this and when we we press into what Paul is saying here, we understand that the new creation is only possible through the cross of Christ. That was the text in which uh, uh, Kurt read to us. That our sin debt, that in which we have done, that in which we, some are doing, and that in which we will do, past, present, and future, all of our sin has been nailed to the tree. Has been nailed to the cross. If all of it has been nailed to the cross, and when we stand as righteous before God we don't have to focus on well, what, are, what everybody else is going to think about me how about we ask the question how does God think about me what is that what what is that that, that answer what, what what are we doing how are we wrestling with that too many times what we do is we worry about what our friend on Facebook is saying about us or our, our friend at work or uh, w- w- whatever or sometimes we worry about what our kids say about us. Instead of stopping and saying, okay, what does God say about me? What does God say about this situation? Because I don't, I don't know about you, I mean, I've been a parent not as long as, as some of y'all in here, but long enough to understand my kids are going to hate me for some of the things in which I tell them no or yes to. But They're just not going to understand. If that is true... If that is true about an earthly father to an earthly child, where finite, limited mind to limited mind, what about an infinite father to his finite son or finite daughter? There are things that God's going to say no or yes to or not yet or whatever, and you're going to be like, what do you mean? There are things we're not going to know. But understanding that if if we're going to press in to all of this, it doesn't matter that in which we are or that we appear to others. Now, when I'm saying this, some of you, some of you that are borderline legal legalists in here, are, are, are telling me, I could hear it. You're telling me, what about the fruit? What about we're supposed to bear fruit? That's next week. That's why we're doing an appendix next week. We're going back to, to, to 5. Understand, yes, we are to bear fruit, but the fruit is an outpouring of who we are and what, we're, what, what it is that the Spirit's doing inside of us. We are not putting our, the fruit as the um, focus here. The fruit naturally happens. I wonder if like a tree, I know that, it, well, some people think trees have minds and they've got souls and spirits, Whatever. I just wonder if, like, if if a tree could think, do they think about producing fruit or do they, do they just think about being healthy? And then the, the fruit is a natural product, right? I don't know. I, I don't, and no one, I don't think, can, I don't know if you can answer that or not. Miss Stephanie, can you answer that? Healthy tree has healthy fruit. So it, it is the focus of the tree to, to produce healthy, healthy fruit or is the focus of the tree just to get close enough? And I'm thinking, I'm, again, I'm not a botanist, right? right botanist whatever I, I don't grow stuff so I'm thinking like that that's why the roots go so deep and so far out there in search of, of a good source right of water for nutrients so they're just seeking out health and the fruit happens so don't don't hear me where we should just throw our hands up it doesn't really matter how I act and I'm not saying that what I'm saying is if you're worried so much about what other people are, are, are saying about you and it's, it's determining the decisions that you're making. That's what Paul is saying here. These people who have snuck in here, because remember a few weeks ago we talked how they, they just kind of infiltrated in here. These people who are snuck in here, they don't give a rip about you. All they want to do is they want to spread this lie about the counterfeit life. They, they care about themselves, how they look, and they, they, they care about how they don't want to be persecuted for the cross. Let's go on or we'll never get this done. <clears throat> Verse 16 And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. I love in verse 16, he says, for all who walk by this rule. What is this rule in which he's talking about here? This rule in which he is talking about here It is the rule that that the new creation, you're a new creation. The new creation does not um, uh, appease or is not to appease the, the, the rules of the world. The new creation is a new creation that is following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So when we understand that that, that we are made new, and that's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, that that, um, those who are in Christ Jesus are are now a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. doesn't matter if you're circumcised or not. It's are you that new creation? And if you're walking in light of that... That's what he says here. If you're walking by that rule, that you are a new creation, that you're wrapping your head around that Christ died for you, that I've repented of my sins, I've given my life to him, if you're walking in that, what's the outcome here? Peace and mercy be upon you. I think that, I mean, this is my own opinion here, but I think that it's peace that everybody seeks. I mean, just think about what it is that goes on in your life. Yeah, you want to have this joy and this excitement and all this stuff, but you can only have so much fun. And then what happens after you have a long night of fun? You crash, right? You're like, oh, I just want to relax. I think the same is is true about all of life. If we were to, to break this all down, what every human being really seeks after is, how do I get peace? How do I get peace in my, my job? How do I get peace in my, um, my home? How do I get peace in... And just fill that in. No one in here has mastered any of those areas. We're all work in progress. Some of us still have caution tape around our houses and stuff. Because, man, my marriage is a work in progress. I want peace in my marriage. Am I growing in that? Yeah, but there's a lot to to happen. There's a lot that needs to be done. Well, shouldn't I have this? Like, I should be this, and and this should already... it doesn't matter. You've been married 20 years. Okay, fine. Well, Jake and and Teresa, five years today. Okay, well, they should be at this place. No, everybody's different. Don't seek after what other people think you should be. How about we seek after the, the men and the women that God says that we should be? Bobby and I were just kind of talking in passing, you know, when he came in this morning. And, and, I, and, I, and he said, what would you, what'd you say? Something about uh, bl- more blessed than I, than I should be? Uh, far. Uh, for, didn't mean to put you on the spot, buddy. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, for, he's far more blessed than he deserves. I think it was what it was, something like that. And I say, absolutely. You know what? I'm not the man that I should be, but I'm definitely not the man that I used to be. And I think that's a mindset in which we need to have. That doesn't mean that we can go on and live like, you know, the Dickens and do whatever we want to do and then just ask for forgiveness. No, that's not what I'm implying here because read back in chapter 5, it's not a, our, our grace, our freedom is not a, a license to sin. But what we have to understand is we can't let other people identify who we are. We can't. We cannot live in this lie of this counterfeit life. We cannot let our children live in this lie. We cannot produce this. We cannot have this environment. This is that part where some of us are going to be like, man, i got to change some things. Yeah, you're right. So do I. i got to change some things. i got to do some things different because I, I, I don't want my son to, to get to his, his mid to... Almost 40. I'm not 40 yet. Shannon's 40. She's the old one. Um, She's not up here, so ha, ha, ha. Um, Yeah, come on now. So (laughs) I ain't scared. Just don't tell her. Um, But I don't want my son to get my age and have to deal with some of the same things in which I I, I deal with. Because I want to prepare him before that. Now, again, that doesn't mean that that, that those mistakes that you parents have made, that we parents have made, that we should be sitting here just bearing the, the weight of that guilt. No, 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 no. Let's use that as motivation. Of okay, there's some things I can still do. I've got some some, some life ahead of me, and there's life ahead of my, my children as well. But what we have to understand is, we first—it's kind of like uh, um, the the air, the oxygen mask in, the, in an airplane. What's the what's the safety brief? In the case of event, oxygen mask will fall from above. And first, take your oxygen mask and put it on yourself before you try to help anybody else. This is what I'm communicating. This is not self-centeredness. This is saying, you need to, you need to, Lee, you need to assess, are you, are you believing the lie of the counterfeit life? Because if you believe the lie of the counterfeit life, you can't believe the lie of the counterfeit life and believe the, the truth of the real life and live both. That's serving two masters. You can't do that. Some of you like, are saying, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for this definition of what the real life is. Alright, here it is. Because we're way over on time. Real life is the freedom of walking in the newness of life in service to the King. When we talk about real people in real life, the real life aspect is this. We want to, I, I, I desperately want to see people where they can find this real life. But not only find this real life, that they can experience this real life. Each aspect of this real life, if a real life is the freedom, Galatians 5.1 says that for freedom we have been set free. We understand that in real life we have freedom, but this freedom is not something where we can just say, oh, cool, I'm free, and just stand there. No, there's an action that has to take place. The Bible says multiple places about walking, that this walking or this, this journey which we are on as a Christian is a walk. So real life is, is uh, or real life, excuse me, is the freedom of walking. This, this participation, this activity. Walking how? In the newness of life. In the newness of life. I'm a new creation, so I'm going to walk in that. This is the this is the part. This is the part where, 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 where that, 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 I don't want to say aggravates but it just confuses me why we, we do this. That we're a Christian, but we don't live like it. We claim it, but we fail to do it. Well, that's just my personal faith. All throughout Scripture, faith is public. It's meant to be shared, it's meant to be displayed. Yes, there's personal responsibility But we have to understand that it is to be seen by all. Now, it's not to be seen like the Pharisees of, hey, look at how righteous and holy I am. No, 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 no. This is where Jesus says, they'll know you're my disciples by the love in which you have for one another, or by the fruit in which you bear. So real life is a freedom of walking in the newness of life. And I I love this aspect of it. And I thought it was was important to put this into uh, this definition. Because I think a lot of people can say, okay, I'm free, got that. I'm walking, okay, I'm, I'm growing, I'm growing, in my, and, and all right, I'm in this newness of life, oh, I'm doing good, and that's just, that's where they really stop. And then it becomes very self-centered. Then your intent for godliness becomes this, this personal self-absorption, like I'm free, I'm walking, I'm in newness of life, what more do I need to do? You need to serve. In certain, now, now, here, when I say this, this service is not just going to the, the local nonprofit organization and saying, Oh, I'm gonna serve. Here we go. No, 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 no. The service in which the scripture is clearly about is service to the king. It's serving King Jesus. How, how does that look? It's different. It's different. But if we are going to pursue a, a real life, if we're going to pursue this life in which we have defined here, one that involves freedom, one that involves walking, one that involves this newness of life, if we're going to do all this, this is all to be done in service to the king. All of it. And I'm, I mean, I'm convinced more now than I ever have, that, you know, if we just, if we grab hold of truth, how truth can transform our lives. A simple truth like this, and I had, I mean, I had another, I got a whole other page of notes here that I wanted to explain each element of this, this definition. Maybe we'll do that another time. But understand that if we can grab hold of this truth, each one of the, these elements of, of this definition is clearly communicated through Scripture, but if we can just grab hold of this truth and say, this is the real life that we want real people to find and experience. That experience part right there, that's us too. But it starts with us being real. If we're not real, man, we're just living the lie. Living the lie. No, no, no one at the end of the, uh, no, no one really. I don't think. Maybe I'm just naive. No one wants to live in a lie. Because it always catches up. Always. (laughs) Jesus says nothing is hidden that will not be revealed. What what, what does that mean? The bones you have in your closet, the things you don't think that anybody knows about, they're going to be revealed sooner or later. So why not just deal with them? Why why not just take the bull by the horns? Let's, let's Let's just do it. Let's face this head on, because this is the real life in which we want to have. I think that if, and I don't think I'm alone, I think that we can have a stirring inside of us like, yeah, our church would be different. Our community would be different. Shoot, we might even impact the whole state. Who knows? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Atwater? Time will tell, right? But it's not going to take one one guy sweating to death and getting all woo up here. It's going to take everybody to like, like grab hold of this and say, "Yeah, I want this. I want this for me. I want it for my kids. I want it for I want it for my church. I want it." Yes, let's do this. My last thing I have on here is this: I am free to serve my king. If you, if you don't hear anything else, I think that should be our motivation. I'm free to serve my king. When you get in that, that, that spot, maybe you just need to remember those words when you're yelling at your, your kids or you're yelling at your, your wife or your dad or whatever. I'm free to serve my king. Am I serving my king in this moment here? Let's pray. Before I pray, um, you guys can keep thinking about what's going on. uh, Things are going to be a little bit different here. Uh, We're not going to have an ending music or whatever. Um, We're going to sing doxology. Um, But after doxology is over, we're going to uh, dismiss everyone. So after that's over, after you sing amen, just make your way out. But the elders are still going to be up front. And we are still going to be in here. If there's someone that that, that needs prayer, or maybe you just want to talk to somebody, or, or whatever, feel free to, to stick around, come up, and uh, you know, just interact, uh, be real. Um, and at that same time, if there's if there's nothing that you want to that you need to deal with right now, or whatever, or you got a hot date, whatever, just make your way on out and uh, respect those who. Um, we're just dealing with stuff. So, with that, let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we do thank you. Uh, Lord, I, uh, my, my prayer is that the that, that, that words that, that came out today weren't just a, 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 you know, an inspirational speech, but it's the truth in which you're communicating to this people. God, I, I, I know that there's hurt and there's pain and there's 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 turmoil and there's suffering that, that's happening within inside of these walls here. God, I know that, that, that there's there's things that, that, that we've believed that the counterfeit life, the lie of the counterfeit life for too long, that we need to take our eyes off the lie and put them on the truth. So, God, give us the strength, give us the confidence. Give us the ability to do this. God, let us think back to what we talked about last week about, about helping bear one another's burdens. Let, let us take all of your word and all of your teachings and bring them together to see, like, you, you are for us. And you want to have that, that intimate relationship with us. So, God, I, I just ask that you continue to stir. Uh, Lord, that you um, continue to watch over our great nation. And the liberties in which we do have, the freedoms in which we do have, that that, that men and women have given their lives for. And be thankful for that. And at the same time, not forgetting the life that You gave for us as well. So God, we we ask this, we ask your, um, Your presence to be with us. God, we ask that we just be Your people.